Hello, everybody, and welcome back to Lesson Laundry, or I don't even know if it's going to be called that anymore, but we'll see. Um, my name is Amir Bedjik, and I'm so happy to be back. I'm so happy to be talking to you guys again, and I'm here with a very, very special near and dear to my heart friend here, Melinda. Hi, welcome back. Hello, happy I'm to be back. So happy that you're here. Um, there's honestly no other place I'd rather you be. Because you're everywhere else but around me. So <laughs> I'm very happy that you're here. Um, today, if you guys do not know, and if if somehow you don't know, consider yourself lucky. Because I have made everyone very, very aware multiple times. Even, you know, disrespecting mothers and fathers on Instagram. Um, that I am doing this podcast episode because Friday, today, as you're listening to this, November 17th. The pre-order link for my second poetry book, The Sky Makes Me Dizzy, is live. So that's very exciting. Um, and I wanted to do a little Q&A to kind of just launch everything. Um, and just to get everything kind of started to get you guys all a little bit more excited and hyped about the book. Um, so we'll get into... I don't really want to get into background of the book because I think the questions will kind of get into that. But I'm so happy. Um, a little bit of background, though is and this is important because some of the questions mentioned it as well um i did publish a first book um titled resurrected that was my baby um i love 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 that book so much and we'll get more into that a little bit but i don't really want to spend too much time talking about that right now because it will come up um so yes second book is coming very very soon um if the pre-order link is up, then babes, it's only a few weeks away. Um, I won't release the release date right now, but I do know it. I'm not Taylor Swift, but I'm going to pretend <laughs> that I am. So uh, I think that we're just going to get into it. So Melinda's here. She's going to moderate. Um, and I actually just kind of want to... We'll, no, we'll get into that too with the questions. Everything's so covered. So, But before we do get into everything, I just want to thank everyone so, so, so much for sending in questions. And even if you don't actually care about this passion project... Thank you for pretending like you do. That means the world to me. So um, that we have, I think, maybe like 20 questions to go through, which to me is a lot. And we're going through every single one of them. So when I said ask anything, I will answer anything. I did not lie. And Melinda can vouch for that. I sent her every single screenshot that I have of every single question. So Melinda's here to moderate. She's here to kind of guide and to con con converse. Converse. Converse yeah. with me. Um as we guide what this journey has been. So this is a very selfish <laughs> podcast episode for me because it is really about the journey of my, my book and what I went through, but everyone that surrounds themselves with me and, the, or that I surround myself with rather is very much a part of this journey as well. So I wanted someone here that contributed to this Aww. in a big, in a big way. And we'll get to that. <laughs> um, but yes, and then I might even share a little bit of something from the book. So I'm really excited about that too. So let's go ahead and get into it. So first question, let's go from the, the one and only. <laughs> okay, so you talked about your first book, your baby, right? So between this book that you're writing now and that book, how have you changed between the two? So like from the timeline or just how you wrote, what you wrote? What's different? I think we should mention who asked the question, too. 
That question was from me. <laughs> so yes, Melinda submitted that submitted that question. So I just need to have full transparency here. Um, we're gonna get really deep really quick, but book one was just like I published book one and I put I was writing book one before I even knew it was a book. Um, poetry has always been the way that I just understood my thoughts. Um, and with book one, you know, I think it was you. Um, I'm not sure. It might have been. But someone very important to me said to me, you're writing poetry. Like, I was just writing down my thoughts. And someone was like, you're writing poetry. And there was someone that I followed on Instagram. And I no longer follow them. Or, I don't know, maybe their account got deleted or something. But um, they published their own book. And I reached out to them. And I said, how did you possibly do that? They were around my age, too. At that time, I was, I was 2019. So I was either 19 or 20. Well, I was 19 before the book was, or when the book was published, so 19. And they were like, oh, it's very simple. Go through this, do that, da, da, da. Like, it's not simple, but, you know, it's more simple than you would think. Um, but I needed to publish something because in all actuality, I was in a very, very dark place of my life. And I was like, okay, what's my legacy? Like, not like, like, I'm obviously not like building an empire here, right? But like, what what am I, not to reference Billie Eilish, but what am I made for? And what am I going to leave behind if, you know, things take a turn for the worse and whatever, you know, whether that be at the hands of someone else or the hands of me, I, I, just, I didn't want to leave the earth without something that those who love me can remember me by. So that's why I did book one. Book two, however, is still kind of dark. Um, compiling it and putting it all together, I had to kind of go through those motions too. Because, I mean, I was writing book two from the moment that I published book one. There's poems in book two that come from May of 2019, which is when I published Resurrected. Um, But, so there is still a lot of darkness in there, but I'm very, very happy to say that in book two, there's so much more light. Like, so, so many more things make more sense and you know, I, I've grown more wise and I think that kind of shows itself in, in the writing. So really it's just, it's a perspective. I think that's the biggest thing. That's how much I've changed from book one to book two is like, I'm just not that person anymore. And it's, I think it would be very, very hard for that person to come back out. Absolutely. So what would you say that makes this book unique aside from the light and the new kind of perspective on life? What what makes it different? Not maybe from book one, but in general, what's unique about it? The concept. Say and more. I'm not going to say more because I think there's a question about it later. Okay. So yeah, I think Alex asked a question about the concept. So we'll get into that later, but definitely the concept. Um, and I think just the whole rollout that I'm doing with this book is just so different. Resurrected felt rushed because my life was a rush. And it's honestly kind of crazy because I feel more rushed now than I did in 2019 in terms of all of my responsibilities. But this feels like more of a rollout of an actual body of work rather than book one. And it just feels it just feels more special to me and I hope to those around me and from the engagement that I get of everyone, you know, like submitting questions and stuff like that. It like it feels like it is more special, not just to me, but to everyone else. Like when I say this is my passion project, I'm not lying. This is my passion. Like this lights a fire in me and it makes me so excited. So 
it's just like that perspective also is what makes it unique too, right? It's like I'm I'm so excited to put this out. I was very excited to put book one out too, Resurrected, but like this is just a different story. This is just like it feels more right in my opinion. Absolutely. Um, so that kind of goes into another question that I asked. Um, you said you started writing this book in May of 2019, like the concept of it and just kind of putting thoughts to paper. Is your book at where you thought it would be when the idea first came to you? Absolutely not. Um, there is a question that mentions, like, asked what the book was titled. So I'll save that for a little later. But um, no. no, not at all, not at all conceptually even like that only came to me when I had that conversation with you about the concept yeah and you honestly helped me work through that so thank you you're welcome um (laughs) but like there wasn't a concept this book was not you guys have to understand all of these things live in my notes app until they don't like compiling it is when it actually takes on a life of its own and actually creates a story and it's like, I have, I'm like word vomiting essentially everything into my notes app on my phone the second that I get an idea. And then I clean it. I, that's the other thing too, is like, I'm cleaning up poems in this book. Resurrected was not that. Resurrected was like, nope, every mistake that's supposed to be there is supposed to be there because it, that's, that's how I wrote it. That's my thoughts. Yeah. My mind. Exactly. And this is not that. This is like, no, we're going to go back. We're going to change some words. We're going to make this stronger. Um, because... When I'm word vomiting, yes, con- like the idea is there, right? But like when I'm rereading it and compiling it all into one thing, I'm like, no, this is a better word. This would make it more meaningful. This would, you know, emphasize this point or whatever the case may be. A so, better way to relate it to what you're trying to say. Exactly. So like from point A where it started to, you know, point Z or, you know, point Y, if you will, <laughs> where it is now because it's not completely finished. It's not out yet. Um, It is not. I mean, it, the book is done. <laughs> Let me not say it's like, it's finished. <laughs> the book is finished. But like from the beginning to now, it is not where it was. And nothing is. Well, how long did it, did it take? From May of 2019 to November of 2023. And honestly, recent events in my life lit a fire under my ass to say, that inspired me to write more um and then to say you're done like it's finished like you had to have one more experience one more not so positive experience to continue to write to put yourself through something and I know that sounds so negative but I take it as a positive that's how I have to switch these things for myself in my brain for it to make sense it's like cool yeah things might not have worked out and things might not have been the most positive but what am, what am I gaining from it? Something great came out of it. Exactly. So, um, yeah, it's 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 a lot. But it took from May of 2019 to November of 2023 for it to be, you know, so f- over four years. Which is crazy because, like, I feel like I launched Resurrected yesterday. I feel like I just bought it and got it yesterday and was reading it and going through it. So it's crazy to think that a whole new book is coming out oh and that's the other thing that i feel to mention and i think i'll just say that now because i'm actually really excited to share this this book is a little bit longer than resurrected uh resurrected was only 84 pages this book is around 150 
So we get about almost double the content. Um, and Resurrected was a soft cover book. This is a full hardcover, full color printed book. Ooh. Um, there is been amazing advancements in publishing for self-publishers since Resurrected came out. So I'm really happy to utilize them um, through the system that I'm self-publishing my book. Um, so yeah, I'm really excited. It's just going to feel more mature. And I like that's where I am. <laughs> yeah. You know? You're at that point in your life where you just kind of know. And that kind of leads into my final question, officially, I guess you could four say. Four out of four. Four out of four. So you said you went through an experience, or let's say rather experiences, um, that lit a fire under your ass so that you can really write and make this book happen. But why now? Like, what triggered you to say November of 2023? Like, whether it was planned in advance, whether it just happened overnight and you're like, nope, this is this is the day or this is the month. Why? Why now? Well, you know best that I get like really random creative bursts. So I'll like message you at literally midnight knowing damn well you're asleep. <laughs> By 8 like, p.m. nonetheless. Yeah. And I'm like, what do you think? You know? And I get these creative bursts, but yeah, I mean, you kind of mentioned it. It's like I went through one more experience. Um, but I was always promising fall of 2023. Um, I think since the beginning of this year, I was like, fall 2023, book two, book two, book two, you know, and fall came and essentially went. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's about to be December. Um, and there was no book two. There was. It just was not compiled and put together. And there was no concept. There was nothing. This was all truthfully in terms of, you know, compilation of poems and the concept and everything. It was really put together a month and a half ago. Like that process began. But yeah, I mean, now is, why now? It's just because it, it just feels right. If it didn't feel right, I would have pushed it back. I would have pushed it back more and be like, no, nope. I need to do one more thing. I need to feel one more thing. I need to, you know, and I think I, at this point in my life, I've kind of felt everything. And there's a lot more to feel. I'm not saying I'll never feel more, right? But I've, I've experienced things that I haven't experienced or that I thought I experienced and now I have experienced them for real. <laughs> and I, writing the, I remember writing the last poem in the book and I said... Like I was, I was at work and I ran to the stock room and I was sitting down and I was just like, I had to write it. It was like, it came to me. I had to write it. And I remember writing it and literally putting the period at the end of the last stanza and the last line and the last word and being like, the book is done. And it was such like a relieving moment. You just don't really know um, because with these things, there's no timeline. Like I'm not going to be like, okay, I'm going to write poetry for two years. And then I'm going to put it together and then da, 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 and then on the third year, I'm going to have it out and ready to go. No. Well, no art is like that. You can't right. put a timeline, especially for passion projects. Mm -hmm. It's like you don't have a deadline. Your deadline is your intuition. Exactly. But yeah. So why now? It just feels right. It feels absolutely right. And I, no one can, you know, take that away from me. No one can say it doesn't. Um, but yeah, let's continue. <laughs> 
So with the concept of light in the second book, um, representing change, happiness, all that good stuff, what one of the questions that was asked by Dom was, what makes you happy? How, how do you protect your energy? Dom is a friend that I made through another friend. So we were mutual. We have a mutual friend, um, but I consider her my friend too. Um, she's from Texas. We obviously live in Chicago, but she's from Texas and I, I miss her. She was just here a few months ago. We had the best time. Um, so thanks Dom for submitting your question. What makes me happy and how do I protect my energy? They kind of go hand in hand. I mean, what makes me happy is doing whatever I want. I mean, like, I don't think it's much more than that. Like, I always say that if you make a selfish decision and you go to sleep at night, you're going to be happy regardless of what selfish decision that you made. Because you did it for yourself. You did it for yourself. So that's what makes me happy. So if I just am not in the mood to be around people and I just want to be alone, they'll be mad at me. They might be mad at me for a few hours. But I'd rather them be unhappy with me for a few hours than me be unhappy in a social environment that I don't want to be in at that moment. Like forcing yourself to yeah. to be yeah. there when you don't want to. You have to be in touch with yourself. And I think that also goes with how do I protect my energy? It's the same thing. You have to realize when you've had enough of something. Or when you're just not in the mood for something or, you know, but especially when you've had enough of a situation, your energy is something that only you can protect. And I can sit here and be like, yeah, here's what you can do. Da, 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 A, B, C. But there's no guideline. You're the only one that understands it because it's in you. So I do it by, like I said, being selfish and making my own decisions and doing what I want to do for myself in the long run. Um, and it makes me happy in turn. Because the people that I love know that I love them. I don't think I have to, you know, be like, oh, I don't feel like going out, but I want to prove to you that I love you so that like I'm going to do it anyway and then I'm going to be unhappy. Absolutely not. Everyone that I care about knows that I care about them, and it doesn't take all that extra stuff to do that. Now, obviously, I do go the extra mile for people that I love, but in moments when I really am not in the zone for it, I have to listen to that intuition. That makes absolute sense. I mean, I think everyone has something to to learn from your statements and just being able to recognize when you need a break and when to just let yourself be and feel without the pressure of everyone else. Um, but on the flip side of kind of like secluding yourself to protect your energy or kind of not wanting to do things that you don't want to do, Dom also posted another question slash statement um, where she states, you seem to always be the life of the party and have the gift of making people happy and feel love. And how do you navigate letting people down? Sending you so much love. This is so amazing. Thanks, Dom. Um, I'm also looking at the questions as well as Melinda at the same time. So just in case you guys know, but or in case you guys want to know. <clears throat> Excuse me. Um, being the life of the party and having the gift of making people happy and feel love. How do you navigate letting people down? It's such a contradicting thing. Because people do constantly expect that from you. <laughs> It's like, okay, you're the life of the party and you you love making people feel loved and da 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 but how do you let them down? You do it when you feel like you have to. Um, 
for not only the betterment of yourself, but also for the betterment of them. Um, I don't like to think that I let people down often. Um, but again, it kind of goes back to that selfish statement, right? It's like, who would I rather let down? Would I rather disappoint myself or would I rather disappoint someone else? You know, in terms of decisions and what you want to do, right? It's like, I immediately think of like familiar examples. So, you know, it, you're, not, you're not going to school to be a lawyer. You're, you know, letting this family down and da 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 Well, I would never be a good lawyer because I'm not argumentative. Well, I am argumentative. But, like, I'm saying, like, hypothetically in this situation, my parents have never said that to me. But they're, you know, who do you want to let down? The people who are going to, you know, not be in your career forever in terms of that college decision or you're going to let yourself down because you're going to be stuck in a career that you don't want to do with a degree that you don't want with something that doesn't interest you. So how do you navigate letting people down is just you really have to stand up for what you believe in and what you what you want. And that journey of understanding what you want is a difficult one. It's never an easy one. But it's a journey that you have to take if you don't want to let yourself down. Well, you don't want to live an unhappy life Exactly. at the end of the day. And I feel like in the long term... The people in your life, like you said, they know that you love them. They know that you care about them. So if there's a moment where they feel let down, in the long term, if they're meant to be in your life, they'll know. They'll know why you had to do what you had to do. And everything happens for a reason at the end of the day. All right. So this next question is from Sam. And it's sort of a loaded question, and they're asking, who's your biggest influence, both in life and for your upcoming project? So just to clarify who the Sam is, the Sam is someone who I met at a Terra Junior concert years ago, um, and they've been following me for a long time. So thanks, Sam, for your question. My biggest influence, um, in let's I'm going to start with my upcoming project, um, Lana Del Rey has always been a big influence. You knew that, didn't you? I knew it was coming. <laughs> Any opportunity that I can get to talk about Lana Del Rey, I will do it. Um, One day she'll be talking about you. Don't worry. Oh, my God. Stop. I will literally pass out. I Oh, my God. Just thinking about it, it makes me lightheaded. <laughs> um, she's just like she writes her own poetry. Um, she always says. Um, I forget what she says. Something about like lovemaking is my legacy, but my poetry is something um, she's very, very strong about her poetry. Um, so she's definitely my biggest in, like influence when it comes to my upcoming project. But in my life, I would have to say my mom. Um, she always just kind of influenced me to just be open about how I feel um, to an extent. But she's a writer. My mom was a writer and I realized that recently. So I guess like it's genetic. Um, and she's just always, I don't know, the way the things that she's been through and everything, it's like, I want to have the courage and the strength that she has. Even a fraction of it would be a lot for me, you know? So definitely my mom, absolutely, in my life. And Lana Del Rey for my upcoming project and my life because she's mother. Oh, you took the words out of my mouth. I was going to say both mothers. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah. So the next question from Alexandra is, how did you become the icon that you are? Listen. Lana Del Rey. (laughs) (laughs) No, quite literally. Um, Alexandra, also one of 
a mutual friend. I mean, we share a mutual friend um, from Texas. Um, or Alex, Alexandra's from Texas. Allie. Why am I calling her Alexandra? Anyway, Sorry, Allie, that was my fault. That is your <laughs> fault. Um, Allie said, how do you become the icon that you are? Honestly, a lot of crying. <laughs> I'm so real. A lot of feeling every single emotion. It's so hard. I mean, who needs Botox when you can just cry? Um, crying is the reason I need Botox, babe. <laughs> the front lines need to be gone. <laughs> they need to go. We need to book an appointment. Oh, I'm down. Absolutely. <laughs> Filler Sorry. two, double homicide. Okay. We diverge. <laughs> we diverge. We diverge. No Botox. Uh, who cares? <laughs> this is also supposed to be fun. Book now Botox. <laughs> Book now. Anyway, yeah, no Botox, but not yet. Um, but yeah, really just feeling the emotions. It makes you iconic. There's nothing more iconic than feeling emotion. Mm. <laughs> I feel like that's something you tell a child where it's like you have big emotions and that's okay. You will be iconic when you grow up. Me if I was a father. <laughs> quite literally put that in your book um it's done i can't add we'll try it again maybe this is the last one not you telling me it's not done what if it's not done if i push the date back it's melinda's fault (laughs) just letting you all know i mean it'll just make it more iconic anywho now this next question a very serious one very serious like we're really gonna get into it do you believe in milk and cookies Madison asked this question, and I saw this, and I texted her. I go, bitch, you're so crazy. Because <laughs> I don't know what that means. I don't know if it's like... Something sounds poetic about it, though. A little bit. Do you believe in milk and cookies? <laughs> um, I sure do, but only oat milk. No lactose. Three different accents in two seconds. <laughs> Love that. What did I do? You did English, Southern, and then just... Me? Yeah. Midwest. <laughs> Big. <laughs> Rig. Minnesota. <laughs> Minnesota. <laughs> I do believe in milk and cookies. Primarily cookies, though. I don't really believe in milk. We should not be drinking cow milk, but that's a whole other conversation. Okay, save that for yourself. That's a little <laughs> controversial on my end. I'd be loving cow's milk. Sorry to the vegans out there. Anywho. So, next four questions are from my dearly beloved sister, my twin, who everybody loves more than me. Um, you know, but that's... I adore I, her, but I will say... I can do another podcast on that. <laughs> I adore her. She's great. I Yeah, she's amazing. Wait, she's kind of like your blueprint. Oh, yeah. 100%. She's my foundation. For sure. Everything she's done in life, I've just done 10 times worse. We could talk about her for 15 minutes. Honestly. Okay, her questions. So her first question. So it's kind of similar to what influenced you, mm-hmm. but more conceptually, what's the inspiration behind this project? Um, figuring it out is that inspiration I think so wait like I don't know um experiences probably and then the theme of it is kind of figuring it out and that's another unique thing see this I'm going to reference a lot of the other questions too sometimes um experiences where the inspiration are always the inspiration behind every single one of my projects at least so far um but i think the inspiration in terms of visuals and things of that nature kind of come from a lana del rey stance i'm not comparing myself to lana del rey i am no lana del rey when it comes to cinematography and how she does all that absolutely not but from a visual stance it kind of i draw a lot from like that like more nostalgic kind of feel um which i like um but definitely experiences. Um, and then the theme of it overall is just figuring it out. 
So this is kind of like the end of the equation. Kind of like answering yeah, it's like the why first, me questions throughout the year. Yeah, it's like the first, like you're writing, you're drawing out the first, like the top line of the equal sign. Yeah. You know, like you haven't quite figured it out yet. But, but you're like, getting there. You're, you're, because you know, like the end of the equation, in my opinion, is like death. I hope I'm not close to that. <laughs> but like, I, you, you know, I figured out that like top line of the equal sign. Like I've written it out. I have the first, you know, the majority of the equation done, but now it's like we're we're figuring it out. It's still a process. It's an ongoing process. But yeah, definitely. So she also asks, then, what's your five year plan? So tough. <laughs> so tough. A tough question, because. My, I can't, I don't, I don't plan out tomorrow. I don't plan out next week. Oh, I do. Cause I have to, cause I'm a student and I work, but like in terms of like those like spontaneous experiences, I don't really plan them out. Um, but where do I see myself in five years is the way that I can answer this. Um, and I think I'm happy right now, but in five years, I don't want to have to question that. I don't want to have to have an, I think in front of that statement i just want to be like i'm happy like justifying it just yeah i don't you know um because right now i do think i'm happy but it's a it's an it's an it's it's a struggle but and it's never a constant battle or it's never a linear battle um but right now i would like to i would like to say i'm happy in, in five years i hope that i can just say that i am happy in every regard and just kind of make it its own statement mm-hmm. not but if when yeah, exactly just, it I is think what it is yeah i don't want hesitation in it just like i'm happy all. exactly that's it mm-hmm. um so in this season of your life this is another question she asked um so disregarding like five years from now tomorrow whatever in this season of your life what are your priorities for yourself either to better yourself to make yourself get to that i am happy point um, not to sound like super cliche, but like self care, truthfully, and like every like that that's something different for every single person. So I'll expand on what it is for me. Going to the gym, um, saying no to things, um, being open to new experiences, um, which is crazy because I just said saying no to things, but then also being open to new experiences. It's like. Yeah, when those experiences are accepted and and, um, wanted, welcomed. Well, when Um, the time is right also. Exactly. Um, But also, I guess, in retrospect, then kind of saying yes to more things that maybe I wouldn't have said yes to, you know, a few years ago. Um, I guess saying yes to things that bring you value and no to things that don't. Exactly. Or even if it has the potential to bring me value. I mean, like, recently I went through something that, like, I would have probably said no to. (laughs) Like, um... let me come pick you up from a club and me being like mm, the shy person that I am I would be like no but I was like okay I can see value here took the risk so I said yeah and that yeah probably got me my book finished to be honest with you exactly so, shout out mm. <laughs> so with self-care it involves usually alone time correct you're by yourself in your thoughts doing what's best for you so the fourth question that my sister had asked is, do you enjoy being by yourself? And that can get as deep as you want it to get. I used to hate it. I used to be a social butterfly. Now I'm like a centipede. Like, I don't want to move that fast. No, wait, is it a centipede? 
that a butterfly is before caterpillar that's what i meant <laughs> centipedes. centipedes are like that horror movie human centipede ew definitely not that <laughs> um I'm, I'm i'm i used to be like a social butterfly but in the regard of like i always had to be around other butterflies i never wanted to be a caterpillar <laughs> um but I guess, like, if we're using that analogy already, a caterpillar has to, like, do its own thing to become a butterfly. Like, from a bug's life. Yeah, you sure. With those little wings. Yeah. Oh, I'm, like, that fat caterpillar. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Thanks. And this is why I said my self-care includes going to the gym. <laughs> no, he was just a very persistent caterpillar and tried really hard and became a butterfly and eventually flew. Exactly. They were small wings, but they were cute. And guess what? At the end, he was skinny. <laughs> but no, um, yeah, like you have to, you know, alone time for me is um, super important, but it's also sometimes super scary. Like when it's just me and my thoughts, spook magooked, because I recently, like my parents were out of the country and I was alone a lot of the time. Um, yeah. It wasn't great. Um, because although, yes, I live with my parents and, like, whatever, um, having someone in the house just kind of fills that aura of, like, not being alone, even if I'm not necessarily always talking to them. Um, like, if I'm in my room, I still know, like, okay, if I walk out there, they're there, you know? Whereas, like, when they were gone, okay, I'm alone. Every single room in the house is empty, except for my dog, pitter-patter, pitter-patter, all around the place. But... It's scary because you 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 do you you have to meet all of these thoughts that you just don't want to meet in any alone time, not just in that specific scenario with like my parents being gone, but in like any specific scenario or in any general scenario. Like when you're alone, you have to think about things that you don't necessarily want to think about. At least that's how it happens for me. Everything moves to the forefront of my mind all at once, and it's very overwhelming sometimes. But what gets me through that is these projects, the writing, the you know figuring out my thoughts and kind of putting them on paper or electronically in my notes app, I guess. It's like having someone to talk to yeah. when all the walls are empty and all you hear is like the echo of your own voice. Exactly. It's like, I need to put this down somewhere before I rip my fridge out of my wall. And spiral. Yeah. Oh my God, I've spiraled so many times. So you just mentioned like speaking to myself. So I kind of wanted to share something that's in the book. Um, and it's a letter to me that I wrote last year on December 30th. Um, and I just kind of, I want to share it. And then if you think of anything, I'll probably dissect it as I go or not as I go, but at the end of it. Um, but it was, it was just a letter to me in 2023 to like not read until a year later. I kind of broke the rules a little bit and read it a little early, but it was kind of, it was very eye opening. Um, Hey, it's been a year after you started to edit your second book. It's December 30th, 2022. You just got home from work. How are you feeling? Right now you're tired, exhausted because you've been struggling with extreme insomnia. Every night you're falling asleep at 3 a.m. You're scared to start school again. You're emotional while rereading your notes app again for things to put into your second book. How was your day? Overall, good. You worked at the job you work at because you need to pay for school. You bonded with coworkers. You fell in love at first sight again with someone who came in for coffee at your job. You were disappointed because the guy you were talking to wasn't replying, and to be honest, in a year, you probably won't remember his name anyway. New Year's Eve is tomorrow, 2023. You're about to be 24. Who are you? You're still figuring it out, and that's okay. 
You fantasize about being a popular author, being able to share your thoughts with others internationally. You fantasize about being in a happy, healthy relationship. You fantasize about traveling somewhere new. I hope when you read this in a year, you've traveled someplace you've always wanted to go. New York, Paris, Vegas, again, with the gals. I hope your family is still strong and that you got to see grandma again. I hope you see Daija and Uina, uncle and aunt, in Vienna. I hope you grew closer to your sister. I hope that your relationship with mom has only gotten stronger than it already is. I hope you're alive, happy and healthy. You're growing up. You at 17 would be so proud of you at 24. Heck, when you read this on December 30th, 2023, you at 23 will be proud of you at 24. Keep it going. Your dreams are all within reach. I love you, Ahmed. Amir. Sorry. (laughs) Reading that after not reading it for almost a year was crazy. The only place I'd, 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 you know, out of those three places that I said I wanted to travel to, I went to Minnesota. (laughs) That's why I was laughing while you were reading it. I was like, yep, he went to Minnesota. And, you know, a lot of it is still, it still holds so true. Um, But like what got me was like, you're scared to start school. And like, I'm so happy with where I am in my educational career. Um, You know, like, you fell in love at first sight again. <laughs> it was a random person. I don't think I, it wasn't like an actual love at first. I think it was just like someone came in for coffee at my job and I was just like, oh my God. Tale is old as time. Yeah. Um, you were disappointed because the guy you were talking to wasn't replying. And to be honest, in a year, you probably won't remember his name anyway. And I don't. <laughs> I have no recollection either. So let's be real. In a year from now, I probably won't remember this one's name either. Um, it's just crazy. Just like reading all of this. It's like, it's insane. And like, I'm happy that I did this and I want to do it again. Because I did forget about it until I started editing this book. And like, I think I found this actually like four days ago when I was still like doing final edits and stuff to the book. And I was like, oh, I need to add that in there. And it's at the end of part two. So... Well, whatever. I guess I can. Um, But yeah, I just, I wanted to share that. I thought that was like, that would be fun to read because you did say like talking to yourself and that was me literally talking to myself because New Year's always makes me sad. Like typically I'm, you know, it just makes me sad because it's like, even though I'm surrounded by people that I love and whatnot, it's like, it is still kind of lonesome because you know how many people you experience throughout a year and you only spend it with like a handful of those which is still great you know because i still obviously those people stuck around but like that reflection is like sad it's also the gaps in your year of like just kind of touching back on like people and kind of the end of the year it's like you start the year off with like your preset bingo card you know so real and then you get to December 31st and you're like, okay, 60% of these things were not on my bingo card. And 90% of these people are no longer present. Or, and mm-hmm. you have no idea what they're doing and they have no idea what you're doing or what's going on. Mm-hmm. And it's just crazy to think about. Um, it's always a sad time for me. And like birthdays, the same thing. I don't know why. Birthdays and New Year's to me is like the same thing. Like What's well, a new of. beginning? Right. Like representation. Yeah. So in the in the emotion of it all, like I cry on my birthday every year. Same. 
for whatever reason, whether I'm upset, disappointed, or just sad, I always cry on my birthday. New Year's, I don't think I cry, but I do feel the emotion of like, oh, like, you know, tough year. And then it's like, okay, let's do it all again. And it's like, oh my God, no. Can I just like have like no year for a little bit? <laughs> just be like on a pause. Exactly. Like, just give me a second to take a breath. Yeah. Um. But yeah, I mean, this related back to that, what you asked or what you said about like speaking to yourself. So I just wanted to share that. Um. Yeah. Let's get back to the questions. All right. We're moving on to the next question. This next question is from Shanice. We kind of touched a little bit on this topic, but we want a little bit more detail. Um, so is there is this new book a sequel to the previous? Is, what's the overall connection? Is there one? It's not a sequel. Um, it Like the last book doesn't really, it does end and it ends on like this thing like I'll be okay. You know, and like for those reading this, if you're concerned, I'll be fine. Like I always am. You know, I always will be at the end of it. And this book just kind of is like, almost an expansion, not necessarily of that point in my life, but like how I am okay now and like how I figure it out. And that's really like the main connection between the two is like, it follows that general theme of like, I'll be fine, but the sky makes me dizzy is like the path of that. Um, and like the heartache and like the loneliness and like, it's still, it, like I said, like, yes, this book is light, but it has a lot of darkness like still in it. Like that's, it's, it's all yin and yang, you know, there's lightness in the dark and there's darkness in the light. And, um, that's kind of, that is kind of like the overall connection of it. Yeah. Like the overlapping Mm -hmm. almost kind of theme. It is. Yeah. Yeah. It's not like I ended the book on like a cliffhanger and it's like, find out what happens next in the next book. Yeah. But it's like, I'll be fine. And then this book is like, okay, well, bitch, you weren't fine. (laughs) You (laughs) thought you like you would be and you're, you weren't. And now it's like, okay, so how are you going to be fine? So it's not necessarily like um, a pickup of a plot line, but it's kind of more of like an expansion on like how I did it. Or it's like what I needed to go through to feel something positive. Exactly. Mm -hmm. So you mentioned the title of your book. Yes. Um, So the next question. Did I mention it at all during this whole? No, that was the first time. The book is called This Guy Makes Me Dizzy. (laughs) For all of you that don't know, I'm so sorry. Oh my god, wow, what a bad author. Uh, I mean, it, you built up the suspense, so it's okay. Um, so then this next question asks about the title of the book. It asks, was the name The Sky Makes Me Dizzy your first pick, or was there another name as well? So yeah, and the person that asked this question was Marlon. Marlon's been following me on Instagram for a very long time, so thank you for your question. Um, the Sky Makes Me Dizzy was not the first pick of the book. Um, the book, should I share what the book was called? I don't think I'll ever use that title again. There was two of them. I mean, yeah, if you don't think that. I don't think I'll use it. Um, so the first, the first title after I finished my first book, the first title for my second book was going to be Endlessly. Um, because like I always said, like, love you endlessly, like whatever, like that's like, that was kind of like my thing, I guess. Um, and then I just kind of stopped saying love you endlessly. Like I just, I don't know, it kind of felt like a little... Not childish, but, like, people yeah. get it. When you say you love them, they get it. Um, so I just kind of felt like I matured out of that one. And then it was Macrocosm. Macrocosm is... <laughs> macrocosm is, like, the project that never was. And 
it's kind of like sad to think about because like I did love that project a lot and I started it and I still have the proof of that project, like the the draft of it. Um, it just didn't feel right. Like when you said like, why now? Like your question, why now? It yeah. just didn't feel right. And like macrocosm just was not the right timing. But every single poem from macrocosm is in this guy makes me dizzy, which I'm happy to say um, because I found places. Nah, I, I would say, yeah, I would say every single poem for the most part. Um, so it found its place where it, it needed its place. to be. Exactly. And like that, it was just like the journey. And it's like, I wanted, I was like, okay, like book one's doing okay. Like let's start book two. Pick a title. Yeah. This title came to me. And we need to talk about that because it came to me because of a very special person that is here with me today. And I mentioned this in the like first page of the book, but Melinda said to me one day, she goes like, and you can correct me if I'm wrong here, but I, this is what I remember. But Because I wrote that a very long time ago, like the entry, the like intro to the book. You said something like, why like, why does the sky make me dizzy? Like, have you ever looked at the sky for a very long time? And like, it just like, you can't look at it for too long. Like, it's just, you start, it starts making you dizzy. Yeah. And I was like, you're sick. <laughs> because like, you're right. Like, why does the sky make me dizzy? So shout out to you for that. Well, happy to be part of your legacy. Thanks. Um, <laughs> honestly, like I'll send you money for that. Um, <laughs> but like with that, like you said that, and it just like started to like like lit my brain up because I was like, yeah, why does this sky make me dizzy? It's this thing that's always constant, and obviously during the day you can see it very clearly, and at night it just like is there and like it's dark and whatever. But it's like a blank canvas of blue. Like there's not much there. Like on a, on a clear day, right? Of course. Yeah. But, like, what really threw me off, though, was, like, okay, if I can make sense of everything on, like, the land and, like, everything around me in my surroundings, and it makes sense and it's very complex, like, when you think about technology and, like, things like that, it's, like, how can I look at this and not be confused and not be, quote-unquote, dizzy about it? But I can look at the sky and, like, this very clear and it should be relatively easy to understand thing and it makes me dizzy. And when I say dizzy... Like, when I say the sky makes me dizzy, I'm not saying that I'm, like, like, I guess, like, you were saying it in, like, more of a literal sense. But how I took that was, like, why does the sky confuse me? Why does this thing that needs to make sense not make sense? Why is this thing that's, like, the most simple thing in my life, quite literally, in terms of dimension and just, like, you know, not a lot of depth and it's just there. And I've seen it my whole life and it still confuses the crap out of me. Yeah, I mean, it comes from, or when we had that conversation about me looking up at the sky and saying it's making me dizzy, it it reminded me of something my dad always says where he's like, if you sit on your balcony and you look out at the sky, you can only go crazy. And I'm looking at him, I'm like, what are you talking about? He goes, you're looking up at nothing and realizing that you're a speck of dust, essentially. Mm-hmm. Existential crisis mode. Pretty much. And... Like, ever since he's said that, it's like I can never look at look up at the sky the same. So as much as it literally was making me confused and, like, just from a physical standpoint, like, like you said, it's trying to understand, like, what the hell is up there? I mean, I know scientifically, but, like, right. what like, the hell? <laughs> the complexity of it. Yeah. Like, and but it's like, what complexity? There's nothing there. It's a canvas of cerulean. Cerulean is apparently the color of the sky. But, like... It's a canvas of blue. There's, It's nothing on a clear day, right? Well, so, regardless, even if there's clouds, it's just blue right. and white specks. What the hell is a cloud? 
How's that fluffy thing just show up? Listen, girl math does not allow me to understand more than like core things and how to open my car door. And I still struggle with that. You can't even open mine up. Anyway. <laughs> um, so to move on to the next question, the next question comes from Alex, our dear girl, Alex. Hey, girl, that's bestie for real. <laughs> so Alex, Alex's first question asks, what was your biggest challenge putting this book together and how did you overcome that? Um, my biggest challenge putting this book together was knowing when to stop. Um, because it's like, I'd write something like, okay, I'm done, I think. Um, and then like I I mentioned that story earlier where I was like, I did write the final poem and I was like, okay, it's done. Like, this is it. Um, so I think that was the biggest challenge of actually putting the book together. Um, or I guess like realizing that it was done, but like putting the book together, what the challenge was in that, um, leads back to one of her later questions that we'll get to was like, how does, how do I tell a story here? Right. It's like, how do I compile this in a way that like is telling a story because poetry, obviously in the poetry that I write is mostly like free prose. So it's like, it's not necessarily always, you know, in terms of one poem to the next, not always going to tell a story necessarily, but I wanted this to tell as much of a story as possible. So when people are reading this, I don't want them to necessarily look for a story, but also if you do find one, don't ignore it. You know what I mean? Because to me, there is a story. To me, there is parts and structures and whatnot, which we'll get into with Alex's questions. But it was just the biggest challenge was trying to read through all of these four years of thoughts, dude. And like being like, okay, let's make a story out of this. Because I didn't want it to be like resurrected or resurrected was really like, okay, wrote this, put it in there, wrote this, put it in there, wrote this, put it. And it had intention for the most part, but it wasn't as intentional as this book is. So I think that was my biggest challenge for sure. So what was, what was the writing process like? Emotional, (laughs) Um, but also very happy, probably more happy than emotional. Um, I do think that some of my stronger poems were while I was more emotional, negatively emotional, because happy is an emotion. Don't forget that. Um, but it was it was tough. It was tough to having to be like, okay, my writing process, to be honest, though, for me is not stressful whatsoever. The editing process is, especially for this book, whereas with Resurrected, I didn't really edit. Um, the Sky Makes Me Dizzy was... is edited sorry it is edited um and i think that process was a lot more difficult than the writing process but the writing process for me is very simple you get an idea how do i put into words what words do i associate with this idea and now write it and then what comes out of it comes out of it and you can edit it and change it and put stronger words if you think of them later on but write it just write it i told you that too just write it So would you say that, so this is kind of off of, it's not one of the structured questions, but would you say you're more of like a, I feel like when people write, they, like you said, you write with emotion, Mm -hmm. right? Happy, sad, mad. When you're writing, do you stop and just be like, okay, I'm in writing mode. And then you kind of use your emotions as a filter or do you sit down and you're like, I'm pissed off. I have something to say and I'm just going to word vomit on this page right now and hope for the best. It's more so the first one of like, um, can you say that? Like, I don't know how you like, phrase that exactly. 
like kind of taking a breath and then using your emotions as a filter rather than just going at it. I use my emotions as a filter, but I also use them as like um, a mechanism. Like, like I'm not filtering anything out necessarily. If I mean, I'm not sure if that's what you intended with that, but like, I'm not like using it and be like, okay, well, I'm really, really sad. So I'm like going to filter out like, no, I push it more. It's like, cool. You're sad. Let's get fucking depressed. Yeah. (laughs) Like you're mad. Let's get fucking pissed. (laughs) Oh, you're happy. Let's get blissful. Yeah. You know, let's get joyful. Let's take it there. And it's supposed to be dramatic. I'm so dramatic. If you know me. Well, if you're feeling it, you might as well feel it. Exactly. Yeah. And that's that's exactly the point, you know? So, yeah, it's definitely just, like, pushing it further than what it just is in that moment. Like, a lot of the stories that I tell in this book are very... They're true. And, like, Resurrected, I wrote a lot about other people and, like, their experiences. This experience, this book is all mine. All my experiences. And... They are a little dramatized, for sure. Um, well, as with anything. Right. Like, I, but a lot of them are just very true. There's one where it's called um, Cigarettes, Hoodies, and Beaches. That's the title of it. I have not smoked a cigarette. I can't even remember the last time. Like, I'm not, you know what I mean? Like, it's dramatized for, like, the cinematic purposes of being a poetry book. And, like, but, like, the message behind that, like, is more important to me. It's like, how do I put this in a visual, intriguing sense to get the message through? Well, how do you see? How can I make you see my thoughts exactly. in a way that's relatable that you've seen? Well, before? think about film. Film is so dramatized. Yeah. But like, we don't second guess it because it's film. Like, we suspend our disbelief so we can get to the message of what the director and the producers want us to feel. Right. So you're not sitting here like, oh, that person totally wouldn't have survived a car flipping nine times. It's like, how did they walk away without a scratch? Well, no shit. Just leave the movie theater then. Like, relax. Exactly. So do the same thing when it comes to writing. Don't take everything that someone says so literally. But also remember that sometimes the stories are literal. Sometimes it is just what it says. Yeah. But that's like the beauty of it. And that's what I love the most about it is like, like even when I send you or someone else like my poetry, um, I'm like, okay, like, what do you think? And like, I usually send it to you because like, you're the one that's like, well, Because you see it from that dramatized kind of point of view where you're like, I get that, you know? But, like, I I want... The most beautiful thing for me is that, like, when people share their their interpretations of it... Like, what they think it means. Yeah. And, like, what... Like, I'll never forget when someone that I was pretty close to read Resurrected in front of me. Literally, we just sat down and they just read it in front of me, like, read it out loud. We read it together. And I'm like, okay. And at the end, she goes, how did you get into my head? And I'm like, what? And she was like, you literally got into my head. And I don't know, like, it brought a lot of things up that, like, I didn't want to necessarily, like, bring up. Like, she said that. And I was like, well, I don't know. I just wrote. Well, I think that's but I love the beauty hearing of that. it. Yeah. Yeah. That's, like, the beauty of art. It's evoking emotions that you didn't expect, but also, like, as a reader, but also as a writer. Like, you're writing your thoughts and you realize... Sometimes when you're writing, you feel like you're the most alone person in the world. Like nobody relates to me. Nobody understands what's going on in my head. And then you put it out there for people to read. And then you like get messages and get texts or whatever. Mm -hmm. And it's like of people saying, I've been feeling this way. Mm -hmm. So you're like essentially the voice to their thoughts. You just were brave enough to put it down on paper. Yeah. 
we can edit this out. And I, that's why I gave a pause there. Um, Melinda is a writer. Maybe. No, she is a writer. Um, but that's why she gets it. And I invite everyone to get it. You don't have to be a writer to get it, right? And that's why, like, when I send her my poetry, I send it to her because she is a writer. She gets it. I want this girl to publish her own things. <laughs> I swear, she's so good. Like, so good. Don't make me blush now. Well, I don't know if it's blush or if it's your red hair dye. Um, <laughs> but no, she's so good. And that's why she gets it. And, like, you know, putting those words on paper and, like, that's, like, you just understand it. And that's why you're here, quite frankly, because you get it, like, you're here to moderate. You're here to obviously have a conversation with me and like whatever. But I chose you because you get it. Also, like you essentially picked the title of the book, but like you get it. And I'm not saying that no one else gets it, right? Yeah, absolutely. But, like, when it comes to like that creative side of like my poetry, it's like, yes, all my friends understand it. But you're the one that's like, mm, you'll actually provide that constructive criticism and you'll be like, I don't know how much I understand that. Or try this concept this way. Or flip this and do that. Because you're also a writer and you see that. So, like the little things. Exactly. And like those little details are super important. Like when I was editing and I was going in and changing literally just like two words or removing one word at the very beginning of a sentence, it changes the whole rhythm of everything in that poem. How you read it, how it's exactly. just perceived. And that was one of the icks that I had about Resurrected was like how you read it wasn't always as like it was in my mind, which bothered me. So this book is very much so, okay, I'm going to write this or edit this to actually say how you should read it, you know, like, or how I, that's not necessarily how I thought about it, but like, this is how you should read it. And this is how I read it when I read it. Yeah. A chance to get in your head. Right. Where it's like, I'm not just putting paper. I'm not just putting my words on paper. Like, I want you to actually get in my mind and see this is what's going on. And that's the other thing, too, that makes this a very different experience and a unique one is that Resurrected, I started that book with the intro saying, there's no, there is an overall theme of this book. And I think these are the exact words. There is an overall theme of this book, but I'm not going to tell you what that is now. I'm going to let you figure that out yourself because I want you to relate to it how you want to relate to it. And that still stands true for this book, for This Guy Makes Me Dizzy. It definitely stands true. I want you to relate to it how you can find a, like, to relate to it. But there is an overall theme here, and I've mentioned it already, and it is just figuring it out. Figuring out why the sky makes me dizzy. Maybe not in a literal sense, but metaphorically. The sky is representative of everything. How do I make sense of everything around me? Because like I said, it's like, yeah, I understand everything around me, but how do you make sense of it? How do you understand? And that's not just like the technological and the mechanics of the things around you. Like, I don't really care how a microwave works. And I'm only saying that because in Sam's Kitchen, all I see is a microwave. <laughs> but like, I don't really care how that works, but like, it's more so about the experiences. How do I figure out my experiences? What do these experiences mean? You know? And when I say the sky makes me dizzy, I'm not talking about figuring that out. I'm talking about figuring out everything. But the sky is like a very simple thing that everyone understands. Well, well it's shares. The, well, it's the one thing. I mean, among other things, it's one of the things that everyone can relate to and we can't find that often and it's the simplest thing that everyone can relate to because everyone can to some extent relate to love right but how many layers of that is there yeah you know what i mean whereas like when i when i tell you what do you when you look at the sky on a clear blue sunny day what do you feel everyone's gonna say oh i feel so happy or something of that nature a positive emotion yeah but that's 
that's why I like when I say, oh, what do you think about when I say love? People are like, betrayal. Hurt. All sorts of things. But why not happy? And like that's the thing is like figuring it out. Yeah. And it's not saying like that there's an answer. Like I said, I'm just drawing that first line of the equal sign. There's no answer to figuring it out, but it is a process and there's a beauty in that process. There's a beauty in feeling your emotions, being sad, you know, heck, being depressed, being at your lowest points, going through a breakup. There's beauty in that because you will always come out of it better. It's a bad day, not a bad life. And I'm going to say it again. You will always come out of it better. Enunciation iconic. Period. <laughs> you will go through the worst emotions. And it, like I said earlier, not a linear line. It is not a linear, you know, graph. It's not a linear slope or whatever. Y equals MX plus like it's not that. It's not always linear. You're going to have moments where you wake up one day after something bad happens and you're amazing, you know, amazing. You feel great. You're productive. You do things. You're going to also wake up one morning, maybe even the next day after being happy about, you know, after everything that you went through that's traumatic, you're going to wake up the next day after being happy and you're going to not want to do anything. You're going to be a hermit. You're not going to want to shower. Showering is going to feel like the hardest thing to do. Folding your t-shirt that's on the ground and putting it in your closet is a chore. You know? Doing all... Like, drinking water, for heaven's sake. Making a meal is the hardest thing to do in moments like that sometimes. But just know, you will come out of it better. Please, remember that. You're at a low right now. But And that's the other thing, too, is when we're at lows, we recognize that we're at a very, very low point. But I've never heard anyone say, I'm at such a high point right now. I feel so good right now. Why? Is it because we fear that it'll steer people away from us? Because they're going to be like, oh, well, yeah, so what? You're high right now. No one else is. Is it because people maybe can relate to low points. Everyone has a high point though. Why doesn't everyone recognize their high points? Like we recognize our low points. I feel like people like to relate to low points more than they do to high points. Like like for an example, I feel like people, we try to have a competition on who's busier of like, I have two jobs. I go to school. I do this. I do that. And like, blah, blah, blah. My my day has 48 hours in one. Like, you know, like it's a competition of who can be the busiest, but never a competition of who can, who's the most relaxed, who's the happiest, who doesn't have anything on their radar. And then like, it's like, well, if you're happy, relaxed and stuff, you're not working hard enough. You're, you know. Don't tell me you're at a high point. <laughs> I'm a person, though, that is very happy with working hard. Where, like, sometimes, like, when I'm, let's say, like, 40, like, where one of my days is 48 hours. You know what I mean? Sometimes, like, at the end of it, I'm so happy. I did it. I went through that killer shift with school the next day for 12 hours, and then da 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 I did it. I'm happy. You know what I mean? Like, I just wish more people would recognize when they're happy. Stop only hitting your friends up when you're sad, girl. Yeah. And if you took that a sort of way, you took that a sort of way. If the shoe fits, wear it. Lace it up and wear it. Hit your friends up when you're happy. You know? 
Because, and here's the other thing. It's like when people text you and they're like, how are you? If you say, I'm good, it's almost like a conversation killer. But if you're like, oh my God, I'm so stressed out. I'm doing this. Oh no, why? What's going on? Tell me more. But how come when I say, oh my God, I'm doing so good. Why? Like, what's going on? Like, why is that never a follow-up? Yeah, it's It's like, oh, good for you. Right. My life sucks. Let's talk about me now. Let's stop envying other people for their happiness. You will get there too. You will have your moment. Let other people shine when they need to. I had a, to kind of relate to that, I had a conversation with a friend of mine today where she sent me a text message and she's like, do you ever feel jealous of other people's lives? And when I asked her what she meant, she was like, I, she was saying that she has a friend who's her same age making like so much more money and like just living the life that she wants at that same age. And when she asks her like how she is and she says all these good things, she kind of feels like a certain way. Where she almost feels like that jealousy and like, I'm happy for you, but I'm also not for myself. And I'm not saying this specifically about that one friend of yours, but like sometimes people will hear that and be like, honestly, when I text you, I kind of want you to tell me that you're doing like, you feel like shit. To validate how I'm feeling. Yeah. yeah. And I'm not saying that person yeah, yeah. might feel that way specifically, but like, <laughs> no. And if, like, you do envy the life that that person has or that's, like, that's kind of, like, the life that you want to lead, why not talk to them about, like, maybe, like, how they got there or, you know, what's going on at their job? Like, tell me, you know, talk to them more instead of just saying, oh, I wish I was there. Babes, you don't know that their, that their journey getting there was easy at any, at any, at any point. Or that they're happy. Everything's a facade. It's also a front. You can text me right now. And I mean, I'm fine, but like you, anyone could text me at any single point. Like when I was, let's say in the low point writing this book or something, like, how are you doing? I'm so good. You know, I have a job and like my job is going so well. I love my job. School's going so good, blah, 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 blah. But we're but, crying inside. But you don't know that I'm spending every night up until 3 a.m. crying. So take everything that everyone says to you with a grain of salt. And please, if someone is truly happy, don't envy them for that happiness because Truthfully, if you were happy, they'd probably feel the same way. That you that they would like they wouldn't envy your happiness. Most people won't. At least I believe in the kindness of strangers in that sense. And by kindness of strangers, I mean like kindness of humans and people. In general. Yeah. Anyway, next question. Sorry. A little bit of a tangent. But. <laughs> so Alex asked another question and we're kind of we kind of touched a little bit on it again, like similar to other questions. But can you talk a little bit about the structure of your book? Absolutely. Um so the structure of this book is insane. Um, so yeah, like I said, it's different. There's three parts to this book. So the question that I really explore here is why does the sky make me dizzy? And that's the three parts. So the first part is why. Um, and it's asking all the questions that I... I'm. It's like I even say it under the part. So every little part has a quote under it. Not from a poem, but just something I thought about that kind of is like the overarching theme of that part. And the part of the first, the first part says um, something along the lines of, I always ask questions that I know I'll never get answers to or that I may never get answers to or something. And it's the first part is really just questioning everything. Not necessarily why, but it's just questioning, right? Um, The second part is, does the sky? And there's a quote there too, and I'm not going to share that, but like y'all will read it and really what it is is it's a journey it's a journey of me 
questioning everything, questioning, you know, figuring it out kind of, which is the overarching theme. But then you get to the second part and the second part's like, okay, I'm experiencing things that are lifting me up into this thing that confuses me. So the sky. So like, think about me just like, I guess, levitating um, or like, just like falling in or like, you know, going up into this thing that like, I just don't understand, but they're new experiences. So I want to do it. I want to figure out the thing that makes me dizzy. Right. I want to understand it. So I'm accepting all these new experiences. And as you keep reading it, then you get to part three. And part three is like, okay, now I'm out in space. I'm now viewing everything. And there's a poem that talks about this in part three. I'm now viewing the sky. Because, right, the sky is just like above the planet. So I'm like up in outer space. I hope this is making sense. I'm up now in outer space in this journey in part three. And I'm viewing the sky now from a different perspective. I'm viewing it from like the top of the world rather than on the ground, right? And then suddenly there's an inciting incident where I just start to free fall. And I start to come down. And it also introduces this idea of perspective. So I'm free falling. I'm falling through the thing that made me dizzy. And now I'm like back on the ground And that's the last part where it's, well, that whole journey of like falling back down and being out and looking at the perspective is part three, which is um, make me dizzy. So it's not necessarily an invitation to make me dizzy because it's why and then does the sky and the last is make me dizzy. So it's not necessarily an invitation to make me dizzy, but like I'm also not opposed to going on the journey again. So if I have to get dizzy again, make me dizzy. Little claps from Melinda, thank you. But yeah, that's the structure. So I'm really excited to see how people interpret that. And I really hope, um, and I have to have you review it again before Friday. <laughs> I really hope that it, it makes sense um, in terms of how I just explained it. Because oh, it's just so beautiful. I'm so proud of it. The first poem in the book kind of comes back again in part three. And it's just like... I just want, oh my God, like, I'm so, I'm so happy and I'm so excited. And like, it, it, like, it also just like involves space. So any opportunity, just like Lana Del Rey, if I can get an opportunity to talk about space, I will do it. Universe, space, galaxy, you know? Well, I also think that the way you structure the book is pretty unique in terms of how people explain their emotions. Like, I feel like you can relate to me where we've read and we've been exposed to so much poetry and quotes and short stories that of like people trying to explain how they're feeling so I feel like the way you created this book is unique in that sense because I've never heard somebody talk about their thoughts in the way that you're thinking about them maybe in like individual senses but to like put it together and like make it a one cohesive piece of art it's like exciting to see well also it's exciting to see how people are going to interpret it on their own that's how you see it that's what i'm so excited about right because to me it is this journey of okay i'm on the ground and then i'm up and i'm levitating and i'm like entering this other thing i'm like open to these experiences of like the thing that makes me dizzy and then i'm up above it and i'm viewing it from a different perspective and i'm like "Mm, maybe not (laughs) let's go back down and like maybe like make me dizzy again like maybe i'll like going through those experiences again is like gonna be okay and it's all just in the process of figuring out because when I say figuring it out, like I've been saying this whole time, there's no answer to that equation. It's a constant cycle. So the sky making me dizzy is, metaphorically speaking, a constant cycle. 
So to move on to the next question, the question asks, what keeps you going? Yeah, and this question is from Jamiria. So, hi, Jamiria. Um, uh, what keeps me going? The feeling that I just had talking about that. Now, does that transcend into your daily life too? Like, can you take the way you felt about talking about your book and... No. Why not? Although I am passionate about things like my career and what I'm studying, it doesn't ignite the same smile that you just saw on my face right now that this this thing does. Um, and, like, I can get emotional talking about it because, like, I think... It, and this goes for every artist... Um, you know, whether it's musical, paintings, like visual art, uh, you know, poetry, writing, anything, instruments, whatever. Um, we do it because we love it. We don't do it because it creates a paycheck. If, you know, when you purchase The Sky Makes Me Dizzy, if you choose to purchase it, and if you do, thank you so much. Um, you purchase it in in support of me. You purchase it to tell me, keep going keep writing um and you purchase it to also help me do bigger things with my next projects because like any money that i make from like the books i i would like to recycle more um resurrected didn't do like amazing like i'm not a new york times bestseller but one day um but like i would love to just like like take those funds and like cycle them back into the next project and be like you know, like with businesses, it's like they, they cycle funds, like, you know, primarily small businesses, they'll take the funds or like earnings from their first few releases of something and they'll cycle it back into their business to continue to grow their business. And I'm not, I don't want to view this like a business. This is not a money cash grab thing for me. This is my passion. Like this is what keeps me going. And I know that like going to work and getting a paycheck allows me to like advance in like the visual aspects of things that I want to do with these things. Like the sky makes me dizzy. Although the pre-order link is out now, um, as you guys are listening to this, the whole rollout's not over. <laughs> like I'm still doing, I'm still going to do a lot more with like the visuals and stuff because I wanted to do that with the resurrected, but resurrected didn't tell a story like this. So, really, my passion is what keeps me going, day to day too. It's like this is what I look forward to. Like I, you know never know when I'm going to wake up one morning and write the best thing I ever wrote. But the anticipation of that is what like, you know, keeps me running. Well, I think also just the benefit of this being a passion project and not right now, something that's like monetary necessarily, that's like solely based on how much money you make off of it. Like I'm not paying rent with the, you know, I wouldn't be able to. But it's also like the beauty of it is that you didn't have a set deadline and that's why this book is being released when it is. Like exactly. if you if you had to monetize off of it and had to release something, your quality of work wouldn't be good because it would be forced. You would kind of force yourself to go through these like faux experiences that don't exist just so you can appeal to an audience that is going through real stuff. Or like I mentioned earlier, how I want to accept welcomed new experiences. I would also accept unwelcomed new experiences that I'm not ready to go through, but I feel like I have, I would have to if I had to put a timeline on it. Like I think about musical artists when they have like, let's say five album record deals and they have to do five albums in 10 years. 
You're telling me every two years they need to put out a whole body of work of at least 14 tracks. And most of them, although most of them aren't writing their own work, a lot of them are. So you want them to go through all these experiences and on a timeline because of a monetary thing. They paid them how many dollars for that contract? And now they have to go through these. It's not, it's not a healthy cycle. And that's why I am really happy that right now it isn't a monetary thing. Like I'm not paying if I, granted, I don't have a rent to pay. I live with my parents, but like I would be more stressed out if I had a rent to pay. And the only income that I had was this book. Do you know what I mean? Absolutely. But it's just like, I don't want it to become that in my mind. There's never a dollar sign when it comes to this ever, ever. She just tapped her forehead and that scares me every time she does that because I'm like, what is she thinking? <laughs> the pee in my head is rolling around. That maraca. The my maraca. Okay, so the next question is from Carrie and she's asking, what was your inspiration to write your new book? She also thinks that you have great talent. Thanks, Carrie. Um, I actually don't have any like personal relationships to Carrie, so this is really nice. I, we followed each other for a long time, but I don't think we've ever chatted. Um... So thank you so much for thinking that I have great talent. That's so sweet. Um, The inspiration to write my new book. um, We've kind of answered this, I feel like, a little bit. But again, it's just, it's the emotions. Lana Del Rey and my mom. (laughs) And of course, the people that I I love. Like everyone serves. Like you, Alex, Milica, Marina, Samantha. I don't want to forget anyone. Oh, shit. Everyone. I love everyone. (laughs) Um. But yeah, so everyone definitely serves some sort of inspiration for this. But again, like I said, the stories that are in here are mostly mine. A hundred percent mine. I'm not writing for anyone else in this book. I'm writing for me. So to to diverge just a little bit, like you mentioned the people that are important in your life. I mean, one of them being me. Um, So humble. Shay wants you to give us, and I want you to give us, an update on your life. Yeah, um... I have no complaints right now. Do you want like a specific, any specific life updates? Well, what's going on? So obviously you're releasing a book. Yes. Um, What else is happening outside of this book? What's going on in your life? I am a busy, busy bee. And I, I love that. Like I, I am a busy bee and it's just, that's who I am. I'm f- the most fulfilled when I have something to do. Um, I do use it as a distraction though. And that's something that I'm realizing. So um, everything is good, though. Like in terms of my friends and my family, thank God everyone is healthy and happy. Um, You know, we all have our struggles here and there, but we all work through it together Um, and individually. Very important. But um, I don't know. I, I... I went into distracting myself because I was upset and I was hurt by someone. Um, And I respect this person still to this day. Um, But I have to look like I can get upset about it right now, but I'm not going to. I have to look at it from the perspective of like, if I never met this person and went out with this person and did these things with this person, my book would not be done. I wouldn't have made advancements in my relationship with my mother. Um, I wouldn't have had new experiences that I welcomed. And this person did all of that without maybe even knowing that they did all of that. So I'm very grateful to this person 
Um, although things like may not have been like the cleanest in terms of ending there, I'm still so grateful for everything. Like every single experience. And this goes for anyone, not just like the specific person I'm speaking about right now, but like for everyone. If you were in my life at one point and you're, you know, not necessarily in my life right now, thank you for being there in moments that maybe others weren't and whatnot, like in whatever regard, whether that be, you know, platonic or romantic. Um, everything is an experience. And right now I have no complaints about my life. Uh, it was tough after not talking to this person in the first few weeks, but now I wake up and I don't even think about it. So movement, progress, again, not linear, but still progress. So I'm good. No complaints. Anyway, moving on. Thanks, Shanice. Love you, girl. So there is one month left of this year, but you've also got 365 days until the next November 17th. God willing. The next question is asking, are there any big goals that you're trying to reach this coming year? Yeah. um, I want to graduate. (laughs) That's the biggest. God willing. God willing. Um, That's the biggest one at the moment. And I just want to continue to pursue that like journey of happiness. So like Deanna said for her five-year plan, your sister. Um, for my five-year plan, I just, I, I want to start now (laughs) and I have been, um, but I want to continue that. So I don't think there's any like goals that I can like state in like a numerical sense, like, oh, I want to be whatever happier, however much percent happier I want to do this. I just want to feel like I'm in a better place. Like I want to continue to make progress, you know, whatever that looks like. And again, not linear. Like I have to keep saying that. If, if progress to me is me going down a little bit, but then coming back up and going higher than I am right now, then so be it. And just recognizing that's that's part of the path. It's yeah. not end all be all. Because to me previously, like if I was at a low, I'm like, this is end all be all. <laughs> it's never going to get better. I have to like sit in this and simmer in this and like just let it be bad. And like I am, I'm, I'm never going to, it's never going to not be bad. Everything's going to be horrible forever. And then I, be, you know, I continue to spiral like that and I don't do that anymore. Now I'm just like, yeah, it's bad. I'm going to feel that it's bad. And then. One morning, you just kind of wake up and it's not really that bad anymore. I mean, you can always be like me and get a tattooed on your body so you never forget for the rest of your life. I still need a tattoo. <laughs> but see, I kind of love that. Like you say, like a never forget for the rest of your life kind of thing in like a, not necessarily a negative sense, but like that's how I immediately interpreted it. It was like, oh God, these are all just reminders of like whatever. But like, it's also so beautiful because it's like, look at like, I remember when I got that tattoo. I remember where I was. I remember what I was going through. And like, look at me now, you know, but also go get a tattoo when you're happy. Do it spontaneously. Not just when you're like in a low point. Go get a tattoo when you're happy. Get a fucking sunflower on your ass cheek if you feel like it. Do what you want. You're like, don't threaten me with a good time. Don't threaten me with a good time. I'm about (laughs) to go right now. Let's go. (laughs) Yeah. Thanks for that question. So I just want to mention before we get into the next question, um, there are a lot of like, what inspires you most? What inspires you? I see all your questions and, you know, thank you so much um, for submitting, but it just, it gets redundant. So, you know, it's a very common question. So thank you all for asking again. But for the sake of the time length of this podcast, we're going to continue on to the next one. So the next one is a little bit more fun. So it's I mean, deep. it's definitely a pee in the maraca jingler. Like it's you know gets your brain moving. 
I love how you take this one thing that Tana said and you just continue to use it incorrectly. Because I am Tana. No, but you continue to use it incorrectly. I don't care. Pea brain up here, rattling around like a fucking maraca. And what's what your I- point? <laughs> I am my own Tana. You're like, I have a pea in my maraca. I have a pea in my maraca. <laughs> okay. Anyway, continue. I, just thought, I think that's so funny because it's like, that's you. <laughs> I mean, so this question is asking, Morgan's asking, if you were an animal, what would it be? Also, just shout out to Morgan. Like, this is a fun question. Thank you. Um, but shout out to Morgan. Morgan was like my first ever friend that I made at my school, my current university. So like shout out to Morgan. Hope you're doing all right. Um, but yeah, she graduated, so I don't see her anymore. But um, if I was an animal, what would I be? Honestly, like I just want to be a dog. Because here's the thing. If you're a dog in a loving household, you get food, shelter, water. You get to do whatever you want. You get to sleep all day. You get to have your own space when everyone else goes to work. No one bothers you. They come home. You get your little social time. Then you go to sleep again. You can sleep wherever you want, hypothetically speaking. Like, I think about my dog, and I'm like, this girl lives her best life. And she doesn't have a credit score. That part. Nor does she need to get a job. Yeah. She doesn't have to worry about mortgage. I wake up in the morning. She stares at me, and I'm like, oh, you're hungry? Let me feed you. I would like to be fed sometime. I would like to look at someone and for them to be like, oh, you're hungry? And be like... Like, I wouldn't even nod. She doesn't even nod. She just looks. And her, her tail wags a little, and I'm like, she's like, yeah, I'm hungry. <laughs> I'll shake my ass if <laughs> you're asking me if I'm hungry. I mean, that's how I get fed 90% of the time in my relationship. It, that's that's all I got to do. <laughs> Period. Back to the book. So, Ingrid is asking, what's one piece of advice that you would give to your younger self and or Ahmed from the past. Hi, Ingrid. Ingrid is like my bestie. We did an internship together over the summer. Um, and we go to school together. So, hey, girl. Um, let it happen. And I guess to kind of reference a cliche, what's supposed to happen is supposed to happen. And when it wants to happen, let it happen. Right? Um, and also, don't be too hard on yourself. Don't hate who you are. Don't suppress that. Feel it. Go through it. But accept it. I think I could have very much accepted everything much earlier in my life had I taken that advice or heard that advice. Um, but yeah, I think that's that's it. I think about that often. I think about younger Mir very often. Like I like will look at pictures of myself when I was a kid and like get really sad. Um, but yeah, that's that's what I would tell my younger self. Or me for the, from the past, yeah. So the next question, or the next few questions, are from mm-hmm. Josiah. And the first question that they're asking is, what does your writing process look like? And or how do you overcome writer's block? Um, we talked about writing process already. Yeah. So I'll talk about writer's block. I don't get it. Well, you write when you feel. Right. And, like, that's the thing is, like, I guess I do get writer's block in the terms of, like, there's moments of time where I'm just, like, not writing poetry. But it's not because I'm like, oh, I need to write poetry and I can't write anything right now. Why not? It's never a forceful thing. So writing it and, like, that, I guess, ties into the process is, like, because it's never a forceful thing is I just, like, never get writer's block. I guess, like, to the traditional sense where I'm like, I need to sit down and write and I just can't. But I guess I get it in the terms of like, oh, I'm just not feeling like writing poetry right now. There's nothing I need to write about or I feel like I need to process my thoughts about. So I just don't. But it's not like a problem. I don't think of it as a problem. 
Well, it comes to you when it needs to. Exactly. It's like my muse. You don't want to... Just because you feel an emotion doesn't mean you necessarily have to write it down right away. Exactly. Um, so that kind of melts into the next question that Josiah poses. And that question is, what happens when a new idea comes comes to you while you're already working on a specific project? Um, try to find a way to integrate it into that project. I don't like to jump into the next project while I'm still working on one. Like, even when I was done with Resurrected, my first book, I couldn't jump into the second one immediately, no matter how hard I tried. So I'll try to integrate it into the current project that I have. But, like, I've gotten a lot of things, like, a lot of ideas since I was like, okay, Res- uh, not Resurrected, The Sky Makes Me Dizzy is done. I've gotten a lot of ideas since it was done. I'm like, oh, I should add it in there. But no, like, when I when I told myself I wrote the last poem of my book, I told myself I wrote the last poem of my book, and that's it. Like, the, these next things are going to they're gonna continue to evolve into what it should be, just like the sky makes me dizzy evolved into what it should have been. It was endlessly, and then it was macrocosm, and now it's the sky makes me dizzy. And it's just like this constant evolution cycle, and I'm not opposed to it. Like, I'm, I'm cool with it. Like, I'm not going to sit here and try to find a way to integrate another poem into this because I'm like, this makes sense right now, and I don't, I don't, I don't feel the need to do so. I think that's one of the hardest parts of being a writer, at least for me. Like when I used to write blogs back during COVID, one of the hardest things was being able to like differentiate between my projects and like what I was writing. It was like I'm writing a blog about X, Y, and Z. And then as I'm writing, I'm like, ooh, this sentence would be good in another blog for this topic. And then it's like I put that to the side and then I start writing a whole new blog. And it's like just sitting down and being like, shut up finish what you're working on and then we'll move on you have to you have to have that tunnel vision on this one thing otherwise like everything else is gonna like get in the way and then possibly i wish everyone could see the dance that i'm doing right now (laughs) everything's gonna get in the way and possibly kind of blur the message that you intended to have with that first thing that first initial project so totally yeah so when did you decide to become an author and what was your path to publication I talked about my path to publication already. So the person who was self-publishing themselves um, before I published my first book. But when did I decide to write, become an author? Mm, That kind of happened itself. I don't even consider myself an author. Like, I don't know. It's just like, that's like major leagues and I'm in minor leagues right now. And like, I just like, I don't know if I can ever relate to that. I'm just an artist. Like, and just poetry is the way that like my art takes form. And, but I'm also not limiting myself to just like, you know, being one thing. Um, I love the visual media aspect of it too. And I'm still learning and still getting, you know, catching the ropes of, of that and like learning the ropes of that. But um, someone told me, and I can't remember, and I mentioned this earlier too, where it was just like, you're writing poetry and I don't think you know it. So publish a book. Why don't you? Um, <laughs> so yeah, that's kind of, that's kind of. I didn't necessarily decide to become an author, but it just happened. I'm not mad at it. I guess if I am an author. Sure. Totally. On the topic of, like, writing, Daniela's asking, um, how long have you been writing? So maybe not having that I'm an author, I'm an artist, but how long have you been writing in general? Mm-hmm. Um, also, shout out to Daniela. I recently just met her through the same person that I met all those other friends from Texas from, but she lives here. She's more local. Um, I have been writing probably since like, honestly, I'm, I've am i always been a writer. 
like I've always just loved writing, whether it was like novels or like I used to write a lot of fan fictions <laughs> back in the day. Not like crazy, like erotic ones. I was like 12, like please. But also so were the ones writing the erotic ones. They were also 12. Um, but yeah, I, I've always like been like dabbling into like novels and stuff. I remember I wrote a novel and I published it on Wattpad and it was called Scarce. And the main character's name was Jace. And this was when I still lived in Chicago before I moved to Ohio. So this was like anywhere from 2009 to like 2012. And I was like fully, I guess, self-publishing in a way. Wattpad was kind of like that for like that online community. Um, Novel since like 10, I guess. Which is kind of crazy. That's like the first memory I have of ever like writing something that wasn't like a like a paper for like an academic paper that was the first time I remember writing for like enjoyment um but like poetry I guess 2017 2016 is mm, no maybe even 2015 is when it started so because I felt like it was just easier to get my words down like it was just easier to say okay these this is it like I don't really have to do like this whole like beat around thing of like trying to write more words and paragraphs and to get this message across like let me just talk about my feelings because it's Although the process is a little bit more difficult, it's just easier for me overall. Like that, like obviously like going through the emotions and all that is hard, but it's easier just like writing it down for me. Yeah. I love that question. Because I haven't thought about scarce on Wattpad for years. I wonder if it's still up. <laughs> we should look it up. I'm, I'm going to after this for sure. So the next question is from Bo Rodriguez. And they're asking... What is a goal in your life that you wish to accomplish and how do you plan on executing it? So I know we talked about goal for like the next year. So I'd say like graduate, whatever. Um, but my, my goal in life, honestly, like as far-fetched as this seems, I want to be a New York Times bestseller, babes. I've been so set on that probably since like, honestly, since publishing my first book. Um, that's a goal for sure. Um, what am I doing to accomplish that is I'm putting my art out there already. I'm on that path to, you know, getting a little bit closer to that. I'm not really sure what that looks like and, like, that path, if meant for me, will come to me. Um, But, yeah, that's, like, how do I plan on executing it? I don't know. I'm just doing what I do right now, you know? Um, But, again, I guess it also goes back to just being happy. How do I plan on executing it? Feeling everything. (laughs) Going through everything. (laughs) And at the end of the day, no matter what happens, like, by putting your your art out there you're giving a voice to people's thoughts in ways that they didn't know how to execute it. And at the end of the day, even if one, five, 15, 1500 people read it, they're going to read your words and you know what you're talking about. You know what it's making you feel, but you're representing a bunch of people who are too scared to use their voice or they just don't know how to put into words and they're going to read it and be like, whatever the fuck is in here. That's exactly what I'm feeling. And it could be, you could read it as happiness and they're reading it as darkness, but you're being that voice. And I think the goal in life in general is to change someone's world, even if it isn't to change the world entirely. Wow. Way to put my goal in life to shame. I mean, you're right though. That is, that is, I mean, I mentioned that earlier too. I love hearing what people think about it and like how they relate to it. Um, But I guess maybe like the humble side of me is like kind of scared to be like, yeah, you're going to be the voice for other people. Or like you may potentially be the voice for other people. And like hearing you say that's very sweet. Um, Because I don't, 
I don't, I'm a writer, I'm an artist. We all think that our work is the worst. I'm not necessarily the worst. Like, I'm very proud of what I've done. But, like, I'm like, I'm no, you know, icon of an author or of an artist. Um, but, yeah, um, I, I had a thought there and I lost it a little bit. <laughs> oh, yeah, I always, like, I think about how, like, the artists that I listen to in terms of musical artists have changed my life. Like, Lana Del Rey for example. Um, because it's like, I, I I love the feeling of when I listen to a song and I'm like, how are they living my life in this song right now? Lana Del Rey is not living my life. <laughs> Let's be so serious. She's not. She's doing just fine wherever she is in Kansas, Alabama, whatever, you know, Tulsa, wherever, Oklahoma, in Waffle House, you know. She's doing just fine. Um, maybe, you know, I hope so. Um... But, like, the way that, like, you just find a way to relate to it and to, like, circle it back to something that you understand is just so beautiful to me. And you saying that is very, very sweet. So I'm very, very happy that I have the potential, I guess, to do that. So thank you so much. (laughs) That's very nice. Um, Next question. Well, we definitely know that you're a writer. And I know that you're an inspiration. But are you a mathematician? Listen. (laughs) So before you say anything... I need you to answer this question. Okay. From Sassy Mama. That's Jessica. I work with her. Okay. I love her. What is the square root of 762,094 divided by 4? It is 218.2449884888. Just to, just so you all know, he's cheating and he's looking at his calculator. <laughs> I did this earlier when she submitted the question for this whole bit. <laughs> no, you know what? He's Matilda. I take it back. He is yeah. Matilda and he did it in his head. Yeah. 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 No, I really am that that fat kid that ate all the chocolate cake. That's me. Oh, I'm the teacher with the sledgehammer or that whipping circle. Oh, are you thing? talking about Miss um, Trunchbull? Yeah, hundred percent. Teacher, she was like whatever a dictator. She, whatever she was, <laughs> I am her. Um, We're down to like our last few questions here. We right? are. We are. Okay. Aww, so, okay. Just the last last few um, some closing remarks and. You can relate this back to your book. You can relate it back to your life. Whatever works best for you. So these two questions are from our dear friend, Mimi. And her first question is asking, how do you start a self-reflection or self-love journey? Um, recognizing that you need it. So like, again, it's it, it's a lot of reflection on like, how am I feeling? Um, feeling those emotions. Obviously, I keep saying that. Um, I feel like I'm kind of getting annoying with that, but please feel your emotions. Um, But that's what I did was like, I had to realize that I needed to start that journey. I mean, then you're never going to wake up and be like, okay, so today I'm going to start my self-love journey and then everything will be fine in a year. And it's not like that. Okay. Like for me, how it started was like, okay, I'm going to start going to the gym. I'm going to get more confident in who I am and I'm going to, you know, whatever, blah, blah, blah. And I would like to say that in terms of like my progress in my self love journey, I'm the, I feel like the sexiest that I've ever looked. <laughs> I am feeling the best that I've ever felt in terms of my health. Um, so I'm very confident right now. Um, but you don't ever really know how to start it. You just kind of, I think the realization of understanding that you have to start it is when you start it. There's not a step-by-step guide, unfortunately, on when you start that self-love, self, you know, that self-reflection um, journey. 
But I guess now looking back at the question too, it's like the self-reflection and the self-love journey go hand in hand. Self-reflection starts first and then self-love happens. But it cannot happen, like self-love cannot happen first and then self-reflection to happen. It happens the other way around. So at the end, there is a chronological order. It's I think just, so. You have you to realize. To I mean, I mentioned that too, right? It's like yeah. you have to realize that you need that self-love journey. But also, like, what do you have to realize about yourself before you can start that? And there's only one way that that can happen is you have to realize what you need to realize about yourself in order to start that self-love journey and to realize that you need it. This is, like, the year of, like, realizing stuff, like Kylie Jenner said. Um, but, so- yeah. So is that something that you would tell someone who wants to start a self-reflection or self-love journey? Because um, Mimi's que- Mimi's second question is asking, what would you tell someone who wants to start a self-reflection or self-love journey, but they don't know how to? Um, yeah, I would tell them that. I would tell them to start with self-reflection, um, but that there's no guide on how that looks um, and, and when it's right, but you'll know. And to trust yourself in that process because your body and your mind and your heart and your soul all know how to do that. I think it's innate. Is that the right word? Innate? I think so. I think it's natural. Me over here trying to use big words. I think it's a natural instinct within us to to understand when we need to step back and kind of look at everything and be like, okay, so how does this affect me and what am I gaining or losing or how am I being affected by this? Um... And then that self-love journey can start. But what I would tell them is just to start, you know, sometimes it is just as simple as saying like, okay, I need to, I need to take a step back. And I think that might always be the first step is taking a self ba- uh, step back for yourself. So you can start that, that realization and then get onto that self-love journey. But you have to kind of step outside of the situation that you're in and view it from a different perspective, which is essentially part two into part three of my book i was just gonna say that it's like it that that's that part of your book where you kind of are looking at the sky from a different point of view and it's like well here we go so yeah and so we're down to the final question and i'm gonna read the entire message from sam samantha <laughs> she actually just texted me while we were doing this that she landed in new jersey so shout out to her for letting me use her house to record this podcast episode. Beautiful home. Literally, like, 10 out of 10. Randomly was like, I have to get on a flight for New Jersey, but you can still use my house. It's okay. <laughs> I was like, thank you. But yes, so my lovely little Samantha. So to conclude the podcast, um, maybe, depending on how the conversation goes, Sam's message starts with, one of the things I've always admired most about you is your confidence to share your story and put yourself out there. So with this book and other pieces you've published in the past, what inspired you to share these intimate moments with your readers and what message do you hope that they take away from it? That is so heavy. And it's crazy because she just messaged me this like before she boarded her flight today or tonight. Um, And again, like thank you to everyone that submitted a question, but like this one really was like, like, because there's a lot to it. Um, So the one thing that I'll start with is, like, I'll break this down. Um, I've always admired most about you is your confidence to share your story and put yourself out there. In my heart, I didn't have any other choice than to put myself out there um, and to share my story. Because I always believe that words are all you have, right? 
Um, and words also contribute to your confidence. So how you deliver your words and what tone in the vocabulary that you use in that vernacular, it's it all contributes to your confidence. Um, but at the end, I'll be all words are all you have. No one's going to know how you feel or what you're going through unless you tell them. And sometimes you don't even know what you're going through or what you feel unless you tell yourself. So, or speak to yourself. Um, so with this book, um, what inspired me to share these intimate moments, I guess kind of like to, to your explanation, Melinda, is like I really just, I don't know. I, I never really led with like, okay, I want to be a voice for others, right? But I guess like since you said that, I guess that always kind of was that like inspiration to share these intimate moments. And I know we said we weren't going to do any more inspiration, but like this is inspiration about sharing the moments, right? So I um I never thought about it in, in that regard, but you're right. It is to kind of be a voice for other people and to be like, how do you... You know, I'm going to share an intimate moment that I went through and however you take it might help you, you know, to reference Mimi's question on your self-realization or self-love journey. And if my words can do that to one person, I'd, I'd feel fulfilled by that. I think that's how we connect with other people and like strangers and people that we really... I mean, we, I think we've all had instances where we've overshared with people that we've known for literally five minutes. Yup. Um, the girls in the club bathroom. Right, Melinda? We're not talking about that. <laughs> um, those my homies for real. Anyway. Name five of them. Mind your business. So it's like, it's, it's a way to connect with these people and to yeah. show you how small the world really is, no matter how big it may seem and how minuscule you may seem in it. Yeah. Um, so it's just getting that opportunity to create those bonds through, through something mutual. Yeah, through shared experiences. Yeah. Because my experience, like let's say of like heartbreak, may not be that of someone who went through another heartbreak. Like it's it's more than likely not. But the theme of that connects us. You went through heartbreak. I went through heartbreak. You went through loss, mourning, grief. You know, whether that be actually someone passing away in your family or losing someone that you've been close to. Um, We can all relate to these shared experiences. And I guess, yeah, I, you know, that's kind of why I study communication. I love talking to people and I love talking. Um, But I really love talking to people and I love those like, you know, interpersonal relationships and like the conversations and like so like what did you go through because it's like you're always kind of although yes we're all trying to figure ourselves out we're always trying to kind of figure out the other people around us too and the only way that you do that is like the communication and the things that you hear about these people around you are the like the pieces of the puzzle that help you kind of make this image but that image always isn't necessarily what it turns out to be or what it's intended to be because sometimes people are liars. So someone could be feeding you communication to make you believe that they're this person. And then you start to build them out to be this person in this puzzle. And then you look at the picture and you thought that you were making, you know, a giraffe. But now you're making a tiger. You thought you were building a house, but then you step back and realize that the house is in flames. It, that's even better. Thank you. I don't know why I immediately went to animals. But yes, that's even better. 
You thought that you were building a photo of a home with these puzzle pieces. But when you actually finished the puzzle, it was a house in flames. And that's not bad. Because guess what? (laughs) You realize that maybe now everything that people say should be taken with a grain of salt. It makes you less naive. Mm -hmm. Oh, that word. Yeah. It's so real. I was like, I'm not naive. I'm not naive. Mm, We all are. Babes. Hate to break it to you. We all are. Um, But it's a part of the beauty of like the macrocosm that we are. The entirety of a complex structure. You know, we are all these little bits and pieces. And they're not always positive. And that's okay. Um, But you figure it out. And like it, it, it... I guess to kind of relate it back to that whole puzzle and like putting this picture together, you're kind of doing this also for yourself to see what the picture of you looks like in the end. Or where you fit in the picture. Right. If at all. In someone else's puzzle, potentially. Right. So it's just like this whole, and that's like something that I've felt throughout the whole entirety of writing this book is like, because even Sam goes, what messages do you hope that people take away from it? Um, Is like, when I say that, like, the whole theme of this book is, like, figuring it out, it's not only figuring out, like, what your puzzle looks like, but it's, like, it's, like, the whole grand scheme of things. It's, like, what is all of this? Like, what is the point of this? And it's a lot of, like, introspect, introspective, like, work and, like, reflective work for yourself. Did I use that right? Yeah. Yeah. Um, Introspective work and, like, reflective work on yourself just to kind of see, like, how you fit in, like, an like in a like a outward way like into everything else and everything around you and like writing all of this was very that and it was a very transcendent experience because it's like I had to really see where I fit into not only other people's lives and into even my own like where do I fit in my own life but like where do I fit in the grand scheme of things like what is my purpose not to spiral right now at you know 9 17 p.m but what is my purpose and like you figure it all out and like it, it it's not always gonna be a final like i said a final picture but that's the message is like you're gonna figure it out and like you have to figure it out in chapters you'll never figure out the whole book that's not gonna make sense probably ever unfortunately but the beauty in it is that as you read each chapter, you figure it out a little bit more. And then you kind of dissect the chapter that you just read and you're like, I get it. I understand what the point of that was. And that's what I want people to kind of get out of this, you know? It's like it is, it's supposed to be a transcendent experience. And I know I have like this whole concept and everything. And I still truly, at the end of the day, although the theme is figuring it out and perspective and, you know, everything, emotion and feeling all of that, I still want everyone to find their own relation to this if they want to. And like I said, if you buy the book, if you pre-order the book, if you just simply share the book, like that means a lot to me, but you're supporting a passion project. You're supporting a person who almost kind of had to destroy themselves to build themselves. So the house isn't in flames, so the house can become a normal home. And that home is sometimes just filled with you. 
Sometimes there's no one else in that home. Sometimes you're going to be alone. Sometimes you'll have a lover come by and give you a little bit of affection, give you a little bit of company, but then they'll leave. Sometimes your friends will come by and give you company, laughs, you know, all the good things, and then they leave. Nothing is constant in your life, but the one thing that is constant is the sky. And like, this cycle of figuring out the chapters, figuring out the simple things in life and what they mean, or the complex things in life and what they mean. And I have a poem in the book too that says something along the lines of, the sky is the only constant, whether blue, black, indigo, or overcast gray, or something like that. I actually, that's the one that I posted Um, and it's like, it's always there. It's always there and it takes many different forms and you appreciate it in whatever form it's in, whether the sun is setting in its golden hour and now the sky is purple and blue or purple and orange, or it's dark outside and you just see the moon kind of lighting up the sky a little bit and it's just like a deep dark blue. It's always there. And that cycle of figuring things out is always going to be there. So take a moment breathe and if you haven't this whole time taken a moment to kind of relax and check in on yourself please do it crack your bones if you have to um release that tension in your neck because that's where we hold everything and if you're upset cry if you're mad be mad maybe don't take action on your anger but if you're mad be mad Punch a pillow. I love doing that. Um, And if you're happy, please be happy. And don't hold that back. When someone asks you how you are, say that you're ecstatic. Say that you're overjoyed. Say that you're thankful. Say that you're blessed. Because not everyone can say the same. Not everyone is set up the same way. Not everyone's life is the same. Some people are in much more unfortunate circumstances than we are. And that doesn't mean that what you're going through is not important. It is because it's important to you. And that scared me. It was her water bottle. But what is, you know, what's happening to you is important to you. And it keeps that kind of selfish perspective. And that's okay. That doesn't mean that you don't care about anybody else. But you have to before you can care about anybody else. You really have to care about you. And I hope that if any, anyone gets anything out of this whole thing, it's that. So, thank you to everyone. Are we wrapping this up? <laughs> Do you have anything else? No, thanks for having me. Of course, it was a pleasure. Thanks for being a part of this. And thank you to everyone, um, my closest friends, for being a part of this this whole time. Thank you. For everyone that submitted a question, liked a story, shared a post, um, thank you so much. I'm so excited. And I might take a little bit of a hiatus from writing. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see what happens next. We'll see who comes into my home next um, to make me write more and what I experience. But again, thank you all so much. Um, 
The pre-order link is live now, so please go pre-order the book. And I'll talk to you guys next time. Stay dizzy. (laughs) I love that.